What up, young slumlords and ladies? This is Jake Lapp, and welcome to the Young Slumlords Podcast, where me and Caleb Henshaw talk our shiz and hopefully help spark the idea for finding your financial independence in this paycheck-to-paycheck world. What's up, guys, and welcome back to episode four. Thanks, everyone, for, you know, still, like, the response that we're getting is just awesome you know we it's not like we're taking over the world with this podcast but like the people that are listening to it regularly and like the questions that we've been getting has been really cool and like you know talking to more people about their financial situations and like seeing how we can make that first step and like it's been really awesome and this week we're actually going to have our first guest on the podcast and it's Jordan Aldifer me and Jordan, we went to tech school for HVAC together. So I've known him for, you know, a little over 10 years now. And he's he's just a, a really smart dude. He, he kept doing HVAC and stuff after high school, where during, you know, all of this, like the the learning stages where I've been putting the time in and trying to, to figure out real estate, like Jordan's been doing the same thing with stocks. And it's been like, just really cool. Like, you know, I'll stop in and, you know, oh, dude, I just made 10 grand today. Or, oh, dude, I just lost 10 grand today. Like, you know, it's the the swings are big, but like he's really like put the time in. And like every time I come over, he's got like the spreadsheets up and he's reading something. He's listening to something like he he has a really good understanding and a little more into to me and Jordan's relationship. When I was first looking at my first rental property. Jordan was living really far away, like, I don't know, Bechtelsville or, you know, and I was like, I would trust Jordan with just about anything. I was like, he would be a really cool tenant. Like, if he's already renting somewhere, I'd rather have him rent for me. So, you know, I called him when I was, I was, the first place I was looking at was a body shop in one unit, like a commercial body shop, two, two apartments above it, and then a single house all in the same lot in Pottstown for like $200,000. And I was like, this is the move. And, you know, after going there, it ended up not being, but right when I was looking at that place, I call Jordan. I'm like, yo, like I'm looking, I'm trying to do this. Like, would you be down to like move in, pay a little less for rent and like be an acting property manager for the place? And he was like, yeah, dude. And so, you know, when, when we didn't go through it the first place, he was like, yeah, like wherever you want to go, that's closer. uh, I'm down. So I found the place in Quakertown that we settled on. And that day, you know, of settlement, he's like, yeah, I'm down. I'm ready to go. So he, he does know some stuff about real estate we'll get into. Um, just the last year and some change of managing a property and dealing with tenants and stuff like that. Like, but the main reason we have him on today is we want to talk about kind of his knowledge in stocks and like, even though it's something that I'm not well-versed in, Caleb's more well-versed in it than I am. But like, we're not just a real estate show. Like you have to get into real estate. Like we're hoping to help you find financial freedom and whatever that's from, whether it's like selling baseball cards, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Whatever's going to help get you out of that paycheck to paycheck rat race that like is accomplishable by stocks and real estate and many other things. So, you know, with that, I wanted to bring Jordan on and have him start you know, talking about kind of how he got into this first, like what was it that was attractive to him about stocks and how, how did that, you know, initial process go and get into kind of where he's at now. So with that, Jordan, what's, what's going on? Hey guys, my name is Jordan. I'm happy to be on Jake and Caleb's show. It's an honor. So how I got into stocks was 
trying to make some money. I didn't feel like shoveling snow. I'm kind of a lazy guy, as in I don't like working super hard. Whatever is the fastest way I can make money and not move off my couch. So that's how I got into stocks. Um, I do HVAC, so you know I go to many people's houses, many customers' houses. It's all this guy with all these screens at his house. I'm like, what do you do, man? He's like, oh, I trade stocks. That's all I do for two hours a day, nothing else. I'm like, how much money do you make? He's like, oh, I made $725,000 this year. Jeez. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, that's how much I made. And he showed me his screen, all this money. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get into this. So I got his email, and then I didn't talk to him for a couple of years. And then two years later, I emailed him, and he answered like right away. He remembered me. And then went out to lunch with a couple of times and I still email him back. So he's kind of my mentor. That's so awesome. yeah, that, that's, you know, taking advantage of what you have going on in your life. Like what's going to get you in that door. What Jordan's going to, you know, 10 houses a day, seeing all these different people and being able to, what do you do? Like whether it's going to be what he does or not, like asking and, you know, actually being conversational with people like, Jordan's plugged me with two real estate people at this point that like are big time investors in the area that potentially I might be buying deals from. And it's like making those connections are just super important. And I think the the whole lazy, like Jordan says he's lazy and doesn't want to make money. But like at the same time, he's like, we were talking about on episode one, like Jordan saying, oh yeah, the reason I don't want to be get into real estate is because I don't want to deal with tenants and shovel snow and <laughs> cut the grass and stuff but then like that's what he's doing i want him to kind of talk on that fact like okay how much work is it actually like being the property manager there like i i still have to go over to the quaker town place every once in a while for something significant but it's few and far between where like jordan's on the day-to-day if there's like a a bee's nest yeah. in the like the wasp nest in the the tree next door like just taking care of that you know mowing the grass last winter there was no snow this winter we had a, a little bit of snow so far and like i wanted him to kind of talk about that for like a second but then we want to mainly keep focusing on the stocks and stuff but yeah like so like how much work would you say like a month are you actually doing uh not much honestly it's more like they, they'll text me ask me some questions like breakers tripped or they locked their, you know, their keys out of the house um, nothing much in the summer mowing the lawn, the winter shoveling the snow, it's just to have another second eye on the house. So you don't have to come over all the time and, you know, get the trash cans out front, you know, make sure everything's in line. No one's doing nothing sketchy. Everybody's respecting, you know, your property. And, and that's the thing. Like, that's like, we're, we're talking about when a lot of people are like real estate's not for me because they don't want to be changing toilets every weekend. It's like, that's not what it is. Like your the the actual workload, if you do your initial like rehab and get things right the first time, like you're not gonna be in there every week fixing shit. Like you get good tenants who take care of your stuff and it's it's a it's a win win situation for everyone. So like Jordan's seen that and as long as you don't cut too many corners right. on the initial rehab. I know I bought a super sketchy washing machine just because I was in a huge pinch. And just really needed something to get down there. And I paid for it. It broke. And I had to go out and get another one and replace it down there on the weekend and learn my lesson. It's not always the best to get the cheapest option because you could definitely get that headache later in the future. Have you had, I guess I should ask, like, what's your frequency of contact from the tenants there? I know there's only two other tenants at that property, but what's, your, what's the frequency of them contacting you? So the people in the front house, they never texted me about anything. 
I think they're pretty much texting Jake. Yeah, they they literally since they've moved in, what was that? Six months ago, mm-hmm. they texted me one time because the toilet that we replaced for them broke, and like that that was like more of a major thing. Like I, that's not something I would have expect you to come out buy a toilet and go replace it. Like that was a good thing for them to text me. But other than that, like they they don't text for anything. They they they're pretty self sufficient, which. You know, you find you can find tenants who are that way, and so so you're saying they don't text you at all. But what about the the other people in the duplex? Uh, the ones upstairs above me, they text me, but it's mostly because we're more friendly. It's more friendly vibe, right? So it's like, oh, your mail's up front or something like that. It's not really the only time they text me was because the breaker was tripping the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they kind of do their own thing. Yeah. So like that's like point in case you know you're it's it's a rarity. Of course, you want to expect. For things to go the worst way possible, like you want to be prepared to be coming in and have someone in place for those midnight calls that something went bad. But like you prepare for that, but then you are able to kind of chill out. And, you know, the amount that Jordan pays less in rent to do that for the peace of mind that I get to not always feel like I'm on call that like if something happens, I have to stop everything that I'm doing and go take care of the one toilet that they have in their house. Like it's, it's definitely worthwhile. And like when we move out of the duplex, like my plan is to find someone else who can have a similar role. I know Caleb's doing it here where more of just a, you know, Hey, cut the grass, shovel the snow and you pay a little bit less in rent. And that's like just they're, having a handy guy. They're big wins. Like you big really wins. get a lot of stress off your plate, not having to worry about like, especially snow shoveling. Like we get, in bad winters, you get a ton of snow, and that's just a lot of liability to have to constantly be stressing. You know, during a snowstorm at night, how often are you going out, like late in the night, early in the morning, to keep shoveling it as it's snowing so it doesn't get too deep that you may slip on it? You know, stuff like that, where it's just like the whole. It's kind of like a community vibe, honestly, with having your tenants involved with you and taking care of the house, where you know you can do it when you know your tenant's unable to do it or part of the regular release with them is that they're responsible for taking care of it. And it's just a really, really good deal. Yeah, for sure. So now let I want to cut back and like get more into like kind of Jordan's experience with stocks and like how he came in. So like, you know, he, he found this mentor and I'm sure started like studying, like how, how did you do that? Like what was your resources for learning, you know, to the point that you're at now? Pretty much hours and hours of youtube videos yeah like i i made a playlist on youtube with about 200 videos like 10 minutes each and then i read a lot of books um i also started discord with a couple friends about 20 of us and just bouncing ideas off 20 different people helps a lot because you know you can only do so much yourself so pretty much those are the two things three things yeah and like that's like similar to this podcast is what we're trying to achieve like the big the, the really nice thing with stocks is the barrier to entry is very low. You can start investing with $10 if you want to. You, it, it's easier to play around with money in stocks than it is to play around with money in real estate. So like we're trying to start that community, that discord of bouncing these ideas and thoughts around you know 20 people's heads too of like guys who are doing the same type of thing. So I, I also want to be able to get that playlist from you. And like if anyone is listening and wants to kind of those resources that are free on YouTube to start, you know, learning that we could send, send that playlist their way. Cause that would be, 
extremely beneficial, I think. And I want to dig into the mentor as well. I know you'd mentioned kind of in passing that you met up with him and then took a long time to reach out to him again. And then when you contacted him again, it was just a matter of just talking to him and he would just give you information. Did you give him any value or did you just tell him your story and he was just all on board with helping you get involved? Or like, how did that play out? So my value was he knew I did HVAC. Yeah. And he has a very old heater. So that, you know, that was in the back of his head. It's like anything goes wrong. I have someone to call, which he has used that. And I'm like, dude, I'll come over. No problem. You don't got to charge me anything. Let's just sit down, have a conversation and give me some of your knowledge. And that's super valuable. Like bringing that value to the table, you know, just, just that peace of mind for your heater to, to share some knowledge with, with some young guy coming in your house. Like that's, that's that's awesome. And that's something to keep in mind. All stock traders have HVAC systems. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. A, it's a foot in the door right there. That's really <laughs> that's really cool. So after you met up with him, did he like provide you resources for going forward, or what was like the next steps after the initial conversations? So he did. So he gave me a few books, options for dummies. Great book. He also actually gave me his login, the simplertrading.com. So that's ran by Jim Carter, and that's a very great. They have very great traders. It's a little more advanced, so if you're a beginner, I wouldn't recommend it, but you know, great videos on options, which is a little different than stocks, but still, he gave me some good resources for that. So in from when you initially met him, and then two years going forward when you actually reached out, during that two-year period, is that when you really started like grinding and like learning, or did you go into him like fresh? So I was grinding and learning, but with stocks and all the information online, there's a lot of misinformation. So it was two years of just learning some of the right stuff and some of the wrong stuff. Mm -hmm. So you can get sidetracked easily. So I got sidetracked. One reason I got sidetracked is on stock markets. There's something called indicators for technical analysis. And you can go way out in left field and just completely get distracted and your trading goes to crap. So that was. (laughs) So so what is an indicator? So basically it's when you have a stock, you look at a chart and there's these tools that help you predict where the stock's going to go with you know all these formulas and stuff like that okay it's like just using pattern analysis on the like the trends of the stock if it makes a specific pattern you there's a name for every single pattern out there and the smart technical analysis traders know all the patterns by by heart and they're able to recognize them and then when they see a specific pattern happening the odds of it continuing like the when they see a pattern starting to happen, the odds of it continuing to follow that pattern are higher than it not following that pattern. So then they bet on that happening. And that's pretty popular for day traders as well. People who just make high volume trades all the time and make small wins off of a lot of trades versus going all in on one stock and hoping that 10Xs or something like that. It's just about small gains over time. Mm -hmm. So Jordan, when you first started investing, how did that like, what was your actual like thing? How much money did you put in? What did you put it in? And how did it go? Like, how was that like initial? So my first step, I downloaded the app Robinhood. <laughs> I'm <laughs> laughing. You'll 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 figure out why I'm laughing later. Download the app Robinhood. Um, put in about 250 bucks. Looked on Google. I'm like, what are some good ETFs? And downloaded VOOO. So that's uh basically like SPY, a spy index, um, which is basically 500 big companies like Facebook and Google and Tesla on one. So it tracks that. So that's what I downloaded. And now it's over $300. So if I would have held it, I would have been up. <laughs> so, so when you're saying you put in 250. And now it's at 300. It was at, you put in 250 for how many shares? That was one share. Oh, okay. So you would have made 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like these, these stocks are, 
like definitely a range in price and it doesn't like necessarily mean one is better than another based on the value of it because mm-hmm. you can have splits and breakdowns of like the actual outstanding shares and like a company like Tesla when their stock price runs through the roof over a short period of time and they want to have more like more surface for new investors to get into it it's limited when the share price is $2000 cuz that means the minimum investment money would be $2000 so they do a split of the stock break it down into small amounts so don't like look at a number of like how much a stock costs it's all about the percentages of the movements because regardless if you have one two thousand dollar stock or ten two hundred dollar stocks a five percent move is a five percent move so at the end of the day it's just about doing the actual investment and breakdowns not picking a nice company that you like and hoping it it just goes up you said like later you'll learn why i laughed about robin hood like what's wrong with robin hood so that's good for basically buying and holding stocks if you're trying to get into more trading, they pretty much kill you on the commit, not the commissions. They don't have no commissions. They kill you on the fills. So What's when, a fill? when you buy stocks, you have a bid price and an ask price. So it's pretty much where you can buy it and sell it at. They'll give you a terrible fill. So say the stock's at trading at $3 and you try to buy it at $3, you'll get filled at like three twenty. And then when you go to sell it, is it the same type of thing? Yeah. So you say you try to sell it at two fifty, end up selling it at like way less mm. or way more. You know That's called saying? the spread. So the yeah. difference between the bid and the ask is the spread so like when you have a stock that's trading at extremely high volume tons of people buying it all the time the spread is tight there's going to be a very little gap between what it's buying for and what it's selling for and then robin hood seems to have found a, a niche business model of maybe do you think artificially inflating that spread do you think i mean i don't know that's what what could come of that but if they are able to move that spread pretty wide. If you buy it and sell it at the exact same time, they take a chunk of that money out. So yeah, like I'm looking at Apple right now. Their spread is you can sell, you can buy the stock at $126.90. So that's if you try to buy it, you can buy it at that price. If you try to sell it, you have to sell it at $126.82. Just eight cents spread. Exactly. So yeah, Apple would be a high volume stock. There's tons of people on that. If you get like less traded stock, I'm sure that spreads a lot wider as well. I'm sure you could probably pull one up you know of, but just something to keep in mind. It's not always what the price that you see on the ticker that you're going to get for it. Exactly. So with that being said, for someone starting out who wants to maybe try out day trading, you know, see, see what it's like, what app or, you know, website would you recommend them going on? So number one, I wouldn't recommend trying day trading at all. Okay. Don't even touch it until okay. you're knowledgeable enough. So what I would do is download either Webull, probably Webull. There's Webull, there's Thinkorswim, there's Tastyworks. I wouldn't use Robinhood. Thinkorswim's a little confusing. Same with Tastyworks, that's more advanced. So I would download Webull and just buy and hold a couple stocks. Do you know, three or four stocks. You don't have to put much money into it. And a Webull, you can paper trade, which means you can use fake money. So you can even, I would recommend use fake money, start out a year with fake money, buy Apple, buy Facebook, and then just see how the chart works. Just see how the stock moves every day. Yeah, I, that was going to be my next question because I remember coming over the one day and you were like, dude, if I would have, I did this like fake account, if I would have done a real account the same way, I would have made like 70 grand or something crazy. Like, what was that? Like, what was that actual c- scenario? Do you remember? Uh, I don't really remember that one. I do so many trades. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure that, but still like, that's such a, a valuable thing. Like in real time with the real stock market, doing what it does, you can invest 
fake money. Here's a thousand fake bucks. Like try that first instead of putting a thousand dollars, risking it. Try your fake thousand dollars and see what it does. Like mm-hmm. if you do your research, you think like this is going to grow. This is going to grow. Like you, you make your investments and now all of a sudden, oh man, if I would have actually invested that thousand dollars and it'd be worth 10,000 right now, like maybe I should actually pull the trigger and, and put real money into it. Yeah. Paper trading is a really cool concept and it's just a zero risk kind of a game, honestly, where you can just get that fake money in the market and actually do real research behind your trades where you can like find actual deals, make them, and then see if the thought process behind that trade was correct or not. Granted, it's the stock market, so you can be completely correct and still wrong at the same time, but it's still something that is a good tool to have to get started. Because I would recommend that because you don't want to do what I did. I went full, because my personality is balls to the walls, full out, like let's get this done. You can't do that with the stock market because you'll get slapped across the face, thrown out in a ditch. And I, I know that's happened to you. Can, can you tell us about like your progression, like the good trades you did, the bad trades you did, like where in that first year of you doing this, were you positive? Were you negative? Like how, how did that go? So my first year I was most ignorant, which actually helps a lot in some ways. So I had started with 10 grand and turned it into like 50, 50 G's in about wow. not even a year because that was about 2018. So we're again, super bull market. If you're in a super bull market, it's hard to lose money. Exactly. So 10 grand, about 50 G's. And then what happens with that is that's not good because you get overconfident. You're like, I'm the man. I I know I just made 50 grand out of 10 G's. I'm feeling it. I'm gonna go throw in 20 G's here and turn that into even more. So I, (laughs) I put 30 grand into spy puts, which a put option is you're short selling. Yeah. Break that down. So that gets a little complicated. We'll just say, if the stock's going down, you make money. Yeah, a short is like you're betting that the stock will go down. It's the back end of it is like you're owning a contract of 100 shares at a specific price point, and you are betting that people will buy it at a higher price after it closes at a lower price. So that difference is the money you make. It's pretty complicated, and that's these are why you want to dig into some resources to like actually understand what this terminology is because the stock market is chucked full mm-hmm. of very unique terminology so it's something that you want to spend some time in before actually throwing money into the mix here but yeah that's short shorts is just where you want to see the stock price go down and you make money off of it correct me if i'm wrong but that's how like a bunch of these like bankers and stuff made a lot of money on the big short in 2008 the crash or totally different um, I'm pretty sure they just, they just got bailed out by the government. Um, I thought they were betting against it, though. Some so people did. A yeah. lot of big corporations, big hedge funds and stuff, they'll basically short options. So they'll sell premium. This is getting really complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we didn't want to get into like super complicated <laughs> yeah. stuff. You know, it, Let's get off of options uh, and start talking yeah, about yeah, stocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all right. What, how, how did your $30,000 um, short go? Let's let's say so. It was an option contract, and they expire a certain day. So I was down like four grand. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna average in, which means I'm gonna buy more contracts and bring my price, average price down. So I'm in ten contracts right at this point, and didn't work out. And next, you know, I'm down thirteen thousand. <laughs> Dang! <laughs> I sell it for a thirteen thousand dollar loss, and that felt like you're getting punched in the face. I literally can't imagine. <laughs> like you work hard for thirteen thousand dollars. That's like, you know weeks and hours and hours of work that you just that went down the toilet 
But like all in all, you're still up with, yeah. with the amount of trading that you did. That was still kind of considered gains from trading in the first place. Yeah. So my, my biggest ones, I made like 15,000, like 8,000, 4,000. So it all like added up and then I lost a 13. Yeah. Got, got to uh, play big to win big. Is that it? I nah, guess so. I switched play up. big to win win I, big or to lose big. Geez, or to lose big. <laughs> nah, so I don't so you don't want to play big. You want to play smart. So what I do, I play small to win small, but all the small wins add up to big, if you know what I'm saying. You started doing that within the last year, right? You started yeah. changing your strategy in the last year. Mm-hmm. What are you doing now? What's what's your kind of strategy? Are you still doing So before I was obsessed with day trading, which is like gambling. Now I'm doing long term holds more, not putting that much risk on the table. So putting three, four hundred dollar risk on the table, cutting at fifty percent loss. So like two hundred dollar loss for like a thousand dollar gain. So what's considered like, you know, we're talking about real estate. When we're talking about long term, we're talking about thirty years, fifty years. What's long term in the stock market? Like oh, like ten years. Okay. Yeah. So 10 years, that, from my perspective, that sounds like a long, really long term for holding stocks. Could you break down kind of like what your current trades look like now and what you're forecasting, like actually how long you're holding them all? So my current trades, I'm in a lot of solar stocks, um, a lot of a lot of tech stocks, it kind of diversify a little bit, some airline stocks, um, some pretty much, like I said, I have an IRA, Roth IRA, so technically you can't pull anything out till you're 65. So I'm pretty much just throwing much as I can in there. Usually the stock market always goes up, but can crash. But over time, it usually, you know, gives you a solid return of, they say about 8%. So that's the money where I pretty much say, you know, this money's gone. I lost it all. Let me just put in this account, open up, see what happens. So what percentage is that? Like what percentage of the money that you're investing is into those really long term? So only six grand a year. Okay. Because that's all much you can put in there. So no, so that's not for me, that's not that, that's, that's not big of a hit. For other people, that might be sure. a lot of money. So then the rest, like, what's your your other strategies? Like, you, so you have six grand a year going to long term. What else do you have, like, on a weekly scale or a monthly scale or like, you know, a couple year scale? Like, how how do you kind of break that down? So then, uh, for the monthly scale, I usually trade. I usually hold them minimum thirty days to about ninety days, and that's because time is your friend so the longer you can hold stuff the more you can you won't get destroyed so follow the trend 90 60 days out once you're up i take my profit usually about 50 percent, and then i take my profit cash out and then that takes a risk off the table and you can use that money for something else especially when we're in some bull markets like we're in now there's green across the board that has been this whole year after covid happened and have you invested in any bear markets before or has it been the last couple of years you've been doing this what's the you know greater scheme look like as far as the market and economy so when i was investing it was bull market so 2018 2019 2017 flying every day open up green like i was i had investing in amd when it was nine bucks now it's ninety dollars tesla at 250 dollars a share now it's eight hundred dollars pre-split, so it's like what three, four grand technically. Yep, yep. That's yeah. crazy. Now Tesla had a wild ride. Not sure what pumped that up. I don't think anyone knows what pumped that up, but Elon's pretty cool about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, that was pretty. That was insane. Like no one saw anything like that. And like I said, today's a different day. So if you talk to older people back in the day, the markets never move like it moves now. Now with everybody can access their phone pull up before you know trading is calling your broker mailing stuff in using dial-up internet now it's 
It's com- yeah, it's completely decentralized. Anybody with a cell phone now can throw some extra money they have into the market and just keep liquidity up, keep the volume up on these stocks. And that just, the more people in the game, the faster it moves. So that, that actually makes a whole lot of sense. So now going to like talking to people who've never invested anything, they're looking to just get started, you know, besides for, you know, your YouTube videos kind of based on your, you know, wins and losses, like what would you think to be like, a good strategy or what would you advise to someone who's brand new? Like what should they be doing? Number one, I'm not a financial advisor. <laughs> so don't take anything. Yeah. This yeah, is all yeah. advice, but I recommend stick with the basics. So buy and hold stuff. Just go from there. And it's cause like I said, there's so many different doors you can go down. So the easiest thing is to buy and hold and then just monitor the stock. So like at that point, like what percent of your savable income, like the money that, after all your expenses are paid, you know, you're left with this amount of money each month. How much of that would you advise someone who's new to invest? And how much do you personally invest out of that savable money? Uh, for new stuff, I would invest more than like a car payment. So a couple hundred dollars because either you're going to throw away a car payment or you're going to throw it away in the stock market. And like I said, the stock market is nothing's guaranteed. So you can end up losing it all. So you got to be fully comfortable with walking out with nothing. Yep. It's not it's not a get rich, get rich fast kind of game. It's not going to work like that. You might get lucky a couple times, but eventually you'll get slapped in the face. That's just how it works. Yeah. So so for you now that you, you know what's going on, how much are you investing per month like out of your savable income? Personally, as much as I can. So I keep about like four grand in my bank account. Everything else is in different brokerage accounts. And like I said, I, I went through that phase of where you learn, you lose a lot. But you, you keep breaking through it, and then you now you start to slowly progress. But it takes years. Yeah. It's nothing that you can't learn it in a summer. You can't learn it in two years. You can't learn it in three years. I say five, eight years takes to actually really learn it. I want to bring it back to where we started this conversation, where you had initially met up with that mentor and like got some information or a game plan from him. How did that look like after he had mentioned to you to? start learning from all these resources what were like the next steps you took after ingesting all that information what what did you do after you learned all that so like i said simpler trading is the website that he gave me so i went on that website read a lot of the resources and then i tried a lot of their strategies out on paper trading and i'm still doing that because with you know the stock market there's so many different strategies so many different you can talk about it all day long that's a good point yeah learning never stops on that so Definitely shouldn't ever stop your paper trading, especially with all the different techniques available to investors to use, whether it's fundamental analysis, the underlying stock, is it a good company, is it a bad company, or you don't care at all about the companies and you just look at the charts and if you see a special pattern, you know to buy, you know to sell. So that's that's definitely a good idea. When you learned that and you got felt con- like confident enough to actually put some money in, what were like the first steps you took actually buying into the stock market i (laughs) i did it very dumb so i went all in so i threw in first trade i threw in ten thousand in amd and that was tripled so i threw in like 10 grand at nine dollars it went all the way to like fifty dollars and i cashed out a couple thousand and then i also threw another 10 grand to you guys which is the listed from the stock market that doubled that turned eight grand so i started off great (laughs) but like i said (laughs) then did the spy puts and then that, that destroyed me yeah. From that first slap in the face you took, what were the biggest takeaways that you got like going forward? 
um, that this is pretty much a job. It's not you have to have a, a game plan like with real estate. You need to you need a game plan. You need to know what you're doing. You need to know your expenses. Um, you can't just wing it because winging doesn't get you anywhere. You really need to be disciplined with everything. Research a lot. Just sit down. Be like you know, set your goals, and that's how you got to do it. How so, how often? Um, like how much time every day or average per week are you spending? Like either researching or like analyzing this, the deals on the market and whatnot. Like how how much time are you personally putting into this? Uh, personally, every hours. So it's at work on my phone in the basement in the customer's house on Bluetooth headset listening to stuff. It's non. It's every day. Not you can say it's addictive, but <laughs> it's what I like to do. So that's yeah. all I do every day. And let's say if I put the work in now, like I saw that guy, my mentor, he's been doing it for thirty years. I talked to him last month. He's like, I made one hundred fifty grand this month. Wow. And literally from two hours a day at work, it just people don't want to put in that yeah, five sure year grind. Yeah, time. I'm sure he grinded 80 hour weeks, 120 hour weeks for a while to get into the game initially. And especially if he probably was in back when you had to call brokers to make trades, you know, before yeah. you could do it right and, from your cell phone. And it's more than like you have to be into it. So if you're, if you just, Again, if you're going to buy and hold, nothing wrong with that. But if you're trying to be a stock trader, you really, it really has to, you really have to be into it because you can't stare at charts and read books and do all this stuff if you're not, not into it at all. It's just not going to work. A hundred percent. And it's the same with real estate. Like, you know, I was talking to my dad who listens to the episodes and he's like, I can see this being hard for some people to listen to. Like you guys just like breaking down numbers and breaking down properties and to someone who's not really vested in it, it's hard to listen to. But when you actually have that like goal and that passion towards something, whether real estate or stocks, like it's interesting. Like me and Caleb spend hours and hours and hours listening to real estate stuff. Jordan spends hours and hours and hours. Like the same, we treat it the same way. You need to want that and like have that goal. So like Jordan, like what is your goal? Like with with doing these trades, like eventually, yeah, it's to make more money. But like what what is like step-by-step planned out like how is your goal and like what are you doing to get there so with the goals and trading you have for me i had to be careful because if you become too attached to certain goals like i was for a second i you start to beat yourself up with it so i'm like i want to make this much money do this because with the stock market nothing's straight up and it's all up and down and around so you got to be careful what your goals are so my goals pretty much are just keep learning and just keep make keep learning there's not really, there's not really a money goal. There's not really the money will come, kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's like brings up an analogy I thought of, um, and I believe I read it somewhere a long time ago. But when you start down a path or a journey or a quest or a, a business venture, you start with A, and as you're working down A, you start gaining more perspective information that you never would have gotten without it, and you find, you know, B something that you never would have seen without starting on A. You work on B for a long time and you start getting more perspective, more knowledge, and then you stumble upon C, something that is exactly what you want to do for the rest of your life and that you never would have known if you hadn't have taken those first couple steps in the in the beginning. And it just kind of like opens up your mindset that putting effort into something and actually going down and getting involved pretty deep on a specific subject opens doors into new things that you never would have saw if you sat on your butt on the couch watching TV all day. Yeah, for sure. This is kind of changing the topic, but Jordan, you know, you've seen kind of what it takes to to be a property manager. Like you're renting now at this point and it, it's an expense. Like I, we've talked about it a million times. Like even as 
the landlord who like, you know, doesn't want to lose a, a tenant, especially someone who has the responsibility of Jordan. But like, I, I would rather you succeed and me figure it out with someone else than you rent from me forever. So like, do you have plans? I know we've talked about it, but just like for the podcast sake, like what are your plans in like the next couple of years? Do you, do you have any interest in real estate? Do you have any like aspirations to do something along that nature? Or are you more comfortable with the stocks and, and that interests you more and you want to stick with that more? For the future, definitely I'm interested. I could definitely see myself buying a duplex or I was talking to my one stock buddy. He does adult foster care. So you buy a bunch of single family, one story houses and you, you put exit ramps in there and make it real, you know, safe. And then you have older people stay in there and you have nurses and stuff. That's something I would, I think I'd like to do. Yeah. Jordan came over the other day. We were talking about that and like the returns that this, this guy and his discord was getting is just like way better than what we're getting. It's there's definitely more work involved in it. And, you know, you have initially like more expenses and you got to hire people and it's a bigger deal, but like, it's a really interesting strategy that I would definitely be interested in getting into myself at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought about that before. Like assisted living, like home care, you know, the like retirement communities make a killing. Like if you look at actually how much they're charging these people, if you can cut that in half, that is still way more than any tenant would ever pay for that single floor rancher or whatever the house is. So that is definitely an interesting strategy. Personally, I know I'm going to be looking more into it myself because if you can provide some good and safe home spaces for people who can't support themselves on their own, that could be a win-win for everybody. I'm about to open it. Crazy door that everyone's been talking about. Cryptocurrency. Oh boy, here we go. So Caleb actually got me into this in like 2017 and like Bitcoin going up recently like I just cashed out a a decent chunk off of a a very small investment made back in 2017 and like you know I know Caleb has his thoughts on it I know Jordan has his thoughts on it like being a a knowledgeable investor you know you hear like everyone's talking about crypto you know it's like oh you can make a thousand dollars in the a day just because it goes up and it just never stops but like it does and it crashes and like it's super volatile i'll start with jordan like jordan what are your thoughts on crypto like do you have anything invested in there like what what's kind of so i have about two coins of ethereum <laughs> so a lot of money in there. yeah so but, that's translating to like around two grand yeah, yeah. Right 24 40 right now yeah so that's the money i put in where like okay i'm comfortable losing all this yeah but if it goes up i'll cash out yep and that that's like you know when when we're talking about this stuff like the the crypto the especially if you don't understand it caleb has a really good understanding of it for something that's so hard to understand but like for someone like me it was like in 2017 it was like okay 500 bucks is what i put in i was like if i lose this i won't lose sleep over it it's not a big deal there's potential for a big win you know whatever i'll take the risk and i think that's kind of the the gist you get from anyone it's like only put in money that you're actually comfortable with losing all of it you know where stocks you can train yourself learn and like become very knowledgeable to to mitigate that risk in the crypto you can do the same but to an extent so caleb kind of like what are what are your thoughts there yeah so like a backstory like back in 2017 i was sitting in that 
one year of community college that I had signed up to do initially, and I was in my economics class on my laptop, just bored as hell, looking at Reddit, and I found a post about a new cryptocurrency that came out. I'd heard of Bitcoin before over the years, um, back when it was only a couple hundred bucks. At the time, it was like 99% used by criminals, and it just didn't have any allure to like as an investment vehicle just because it was so volatile and it had kind of a, a, a bad rap to it. But then there was a new cryptocurrency that was started in 2014 by Vitalik Buterin called Ethereum, and it was just the next step above Bitcoin. And if you listen to episode one, you know, like my background is very technical and it's just something I'm extremely interested in. I do it in all my free time, just trying to understand more and more. And when I saw this, I just started reading the white paper, trying to understand what the technology was behind it. And it it's honestly like if you were at the point where you could understand the technology side of it, it would blow your mind. And it, it blew mine, just totally destroyed my mind. And I immediately spun up some trading accounts and just started buying as much of Ethereum as I could afford. I didn't have a whole lot of money at the time. I started spending so much money I couldn't even buy gas. And I had to scrape change jars to be able to get to work. But it was just something that I knew was going to be the future. Maybe not specifically Ethereum, but this new wave of technology 100% is never going away and it'll only get better. And it's like a brief breakdown would be that it's a distributed computer. So everybody has a computer in their pocket. They all own their own computing power. And this is an entire system that is broken down with no one in control of it. There's no central power. There's no one who has the rights or the authorities to make any decisions without the entire group as a whole buying into it. And with how things have been going with specific technology companies making certain decisions to censor certain people, questions have now been even more raised onto our central authority such a good idea. But regardless, with no one in charge of the money, it leaves it up to the people using it to make these decisions. And it's extremely secure. The amount of computing power required is so far in the future, you can never even imagine breaking it. On top of it, with Ethereum, you can build computer programs on top of it under the same architecture. It's all separate and no one's in control of it. So yeah, it's it's a hard thing to grasp. And going forward with this philosophy, you're going to have entire platforms similar to Twitter, Facebook, YouTube that has no one in control of it. So the censorship rules, the controlment, like using people's data to make money off of them will be all in control of the people using it. So in the future, I think it's going to be extremely valuable. In the short term, it is a complete speculation. People are going crazy buying this stuff up like madmen without any understanding of what's underlying it because of the hype train. So beware, it can move tens to 20s to 30% in a few hours, 24 hours a day. You can get slapped in the face waking up in the morning after making a trade that night before. So definitely don't put in more than you're willing to lose. I personally have seen my own investments account losing almost six figures in a few days. So it's something it's something you've got to get from it. It's literally crazy. We're, he's talking about 
back, what was it, 2018? Yeah, 2018, there was a nice little bust. And the same thing that's happening right now. It Very similar. It came up pretty fast. The hype train came on board. Everyone bought because they thought it was going to just keep on going. Yeah, to the and moon. And then it ride the tanked. Hype. Yeah, it tanked. So all the whales cashed out when it hit the all-time high of around $23,000 for Bitcoin specifically. And with the crypto community, everything hinges currently off of Bitcoin as the primary cryptocurrency. So when that moved, everything else followed with it. So I felt that feeling of getting slapped in the face. Granted, like I didn't really need the money at the time. So, you know, it was something I could live with. I've made plenty of money off of it. So it wasn't an entirely an all loss. I know in the future, again, it's the technology is still there. So I'm not too worried about it. But yeah, if you're just trying to jump on to get rich quick for some quick gains, you know, you can get slapped real hard. So I would say if you do want to get into it, throw a couple of bucks in, hold it for as long as you can, because these things move really fast. The The reason why there's such a hype train right now on Bitcoin again is because this is the second time it's happened. So back in 2017, when it went from around $800 to $1,000 to for per Bitcoin to $20,000. It hit the news cycles. Everyone was talking about it and everybody called it a criminal currency because it was primarily used in the origin days to buy things illegally online. Technically, it's one of the worst things, worst systems to use to do illegally. Its history is recorded permanently with no way to ever remove it. So if you ever use it to do something illegal, it's just a matter of time before they find out it is the worst currency to use to do things illegally. What is a good currency? Monero. <laughs> What's it called? Monero. It's a it's a <laughs> completely anonymous cryptocurrency. You can never find out. How do you spell that? M O N E R O. Yeah, that's we're not condoning any illegal behavior. No, illegal behavior is illegal, so <laughs> don't do it. Regardless going like I would be hesitant on uh, anonymous cryptos because as soon as they become unanonymous, they are worth zero dollars. But Bitcoin itself became popular because of its price going up. So if you buy high, get ready to sell low. So don't look at this as a get rich quick scheme, but look at it as something if you can understand at least a bit of the technology, it can be worth a lot of money in the long term. Yeah, so Caleb kind of, when when he first talked to me about it, you know, I gave him 500 bucks. We split it up kind of with Ethereum, Bitcoin, a little couple things here and there. And I had no idea what it was about. I was like, yo, bro, I don't get it. But like, I know you're making money off of it. Can you handle 500 bucks for me? And he was like, yeah, dude, sure. Like, And, and then as it, you know, it, it came up, I was like, oh, sweet. You know, and then it came down a little bit. I put a little more money in. And then with this last spike, I pulled out all the Bitcoin. I left the Ethereum and the other stuff sitting in there still accruing. But, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. But, like, for someone who, who doesn't understand, like, what a Bitcoin is, it's like, okay, yeah, what is this fake funny money business, computer money? Like, my understanding is, like, based on kind of things that you've told me and, you know, other stuff. It's like, it's a big blockchain that's, like... A bunch of, you know, it's just every Bitcoin is rewarded to cracking the blockchain, like finding uh, imperfection or like breaking the code in some. I can actually break it down a little bit simpler. It's the blockchain gives it security. So 
there's a massive, massive group of people running the Bitcoin algorithm on their machines. It's extremely intensive to run this. People have designed computers primarily just to like entirely just to run this algorithm. So you have a group of people using more electricity than the country of Nigeria running Bitcoin on their computers spread across the entire planet. And they all agree the current blockchain, it is a chain of records. So like a ledger, you have a, a document with the list of transactions that happened and it points to the last one and it has a pointer to the front one. So it's a line of blocks. Each one agrees that it's the current state. So if you try and counterfeit it, it won't line up and it's impossible to counterfeit it without everybody agreeing on it together. So it's pretty difficult to do that. Pretty much impossible. And that's what a blockchain is. Everybody talks about it like it's some fugazi, fugazi, fairy dust, magic word, but it, it's literally just a line of records agreeing with each other. And what Bitcoin is, is some anonymous person in 2009 came up with this piece of software that used blockchain to create a scarce amount of just digital numbers called bitcoins 21 million of them and we're making them slowly you run it a lottery on your machine and you have millions of people all run it together and they crack it they, they win the lottery they get a bitcoin it splits between all the people who ran it together and they get made that way it at the end of the day, it's not super important to understand like how it happens because most people aren't really going to be mining Bitcoins anytime soon. But as far as how it goes, it's extremely secure. Nobody can jump onto it and there's no one in charge because everyone's in charge of it. So the Bitcoins themselves are just arbitrary numbers that can get broken down to the eighth decimal point. So if anyone's like, I don't have you know, $35,000 right now to buy a Bitcoin, you can buy a dollar's worth right now easily. You can buy less than a dollar's worth. So it's something you can get into, but the actual security of it is so well-defined. It's used by all encryption through militaries, bankings, and all that. So it's not something you got to worry about getting cracked anytime soon. It'll only get better as well going forward. So if you're if you're interested in any stocks that relate to the blockchain, Mara and Riot are both Bitcoin mining companies. So they're on the NASDAQ that like yeah. you can trade if it, okay. So if you're kind of sketched out about investing in Bitcoin, you can trade in these sketchy companies that, <laughs> that mine Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one's going to beat the Chinese for that stuff. Just so you know, they got the cheapest electricity and the cheapest hardware. The two things required for mining Bitcoin. We, so. we, we all love cheap. Yeah, good luck with that. So you said that there's 21 million Bitcoins. Are they all already spent? Are there still people mining it? We're like 90% there. We're at like 20 million or something So like once that. that hits that its capacity, once they're all out there, then it's pretty much like a, a finite good, like traded almost like a precious metal. Pretty much, yeah. The, it'll be entirely deflationary. So without... Any creation of a currency, the current set in existence will only get more valuable over time as more people buy in to the network. So the biggest problem with deflationary currencies and using that in a like to back your economy on it is that if you get a loan of a specific amount of Bitcoin and in two years it triples in value, 
you will never pay that loan off because your loan constantly goes up in value. So personally, I really doubt that Bitcoin will ever be used as an actual currency. It's a beautiful medium of exchange for value. Nothing is as fast as Bitcoin is for going country to country, you know, other side of the planet for transferring money. But yeah, once it hits that 21 million, it'll just only go up. Granted, yeah, you can buy some now and hope it goes up and just over time, hold it for five, 10 years and make a lot of money. But yeah, it's not like an actual, like a really useful currency in the long term. So for someone like seeing the hype, doesn't want to miss out, they want to throw a couple hundred bucks into it. How would they do that? Easiest way to do it is just get the Coinbase app on your phone. They have higher fees because they're so easy. Gemini is another one. They have much lower fees. The U.S. government did a crackdown of regulations on the crypto market, regulated it as a security. So all these companies require the same similar things as like TD Ameritrade or Schwab and all those other stock investment companies. They require you to ver verify your ID and stuff like that. So if it asks for that, you give them that information and then you can just hook up your bank account and just start buying crypto. Cool. Yeah, so uh, sell everything that you own, take all your money, and put it into Bitcoin. Get a second mortgage. Yeah, yes. take out a second mortgage on your house and just buy Bitcoin because you buy high and you sell low, and that's how you make money in this world. So, all right, with that, like to kind of wrap us up, going back to Jordan, like to both you guys, like for someone who's listening, wants that first actionable step. To getting started in either you know crypto or the stock market what are some good books what are some researches i know we, we talked about like the paper paper investing yeah the yeah. paper trading yep. paper trading i i think i'm going to start actually doing a little bit of that myself just to familiarize like I've, I've got a mutual fund i contribute to i've got my roth 401k that i contribute to but those are just slow you know long-term accounts that I'd be, I am interested in learning more and like, you know, for someone who maybe isn't that interested in stocks, but is it interested in real estate? Like just creating the capital gain, like the gains to actually get into real estate in a shorter term. What would you guys suggest for that new guy? So what I would do is, um, look up the website FinWiz. It's a great tool for charting and breaking down volume of stocks and stuff like that. Um, you can go on Investors Business Daily. They'll break down news and, and articles. Um, some books I recommend is Technical Analysis Using Multiple Time Frames by Brandon Shannon. Um, also, Charting and Technical Analysis by Fred uh, McAllen. And then Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. Those are like the good starter books to read. They're not super long. Nice. Do you listen to any podcast? Are there any other like podcasts that talk about this kind of stuff for beginners? So yeah, chat with traders on YouTube by Aaron uh, Fifield. He takes on a bunch of very successful traders, uh, just interviews them, tells them their story. So definitely check them out. Awesome. Yeah. So there's a big problem with cryptocurrencies, and they're because they're so new, nobody has any idea what they're doing with them. There are some whales in the game who control the market as far as like mo majority of the volume, like actually most of the trades happening. So I would say your best bet. It's just to get yourself familiar with how they actually work to see if you can possibly even slightly understand the technology behind them because you can never like use any of the stock trading like the technical analysis and other methods on these cryptocurrencies because they're so volatile that a pattern may start happening and then it'll just 
explode. So I would recommend once you do understand and you believe this could be the future, just take a couple of bucks each week, each month, and just start buying some cryptocurrencies. Do not watch the tickers. Do not refresh your phone every day looking at the prices because it just goes crazy. And you can really like get yourself worked up and sell early if it crashes low, which is the worst thing to do. You know, you, you want to buy low and sell high, not the opposite. So, you know, put a couple of bucks in that you can throw away, forget about it for a year or two, and you'll be making a lot of money. You know what's funny, Caleb? Uh, me and my stock buddy, since we do stocks and the market closes at four, they're up on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays now trading bitcoin yeah the same as yep. <laughs> and they're trying to use like the stock tentacles and it doesn't work at all it's That's hilarious actually something that really like took me a little bit to get used to because i actually like i started learning stocks a long time ago got bored with them went into cryptos and it was just chaos and madness and i'm like this is great and then <laughs> after a while i'm like i need some like some actual traditional value building here. So I'm going to go back to stocks. I'm like, the market closes? Like, that's so boring. <laughs> but yeah, it actually is a really good thing. The market closes so you can sleep at night. <laughs> that's awesome. And, you know, so with that, guys, you know, thanks for listening to another episode. And yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week. We'll be, you know, doing our same deal analysis, getting into all that good stuff. So if you have any questions, you can just DM me, Instagram, Jordan Auderfer. Spell that. A-L-D-E-R-F-E-R. And Jordan, J-R-D-A-N. Sweet. Thanks again, brother, for coming out today. No problem, man. Yeah, it was nice having you on, man. It was a good little refresher, I'm sure. Some people are more focused on real estate, but if anyone is interested in doing something with a little bit less sweat equity than doing your own rehab on a property, stocks can be that path forward. So definitely reach out to Jordan if you got some questions. I'm sure he'd love to answer you and send you some resources to learn. But with that, thank you, everyone, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Peace.